belt, Emily. Thank you. It's my mother's. I'm wearing my father's belt. When she was my age. When he was well, the 70s, but yeah. around my age. Actually, he probably was around my age. Oh. Hello, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, man. See, the problem is, is that if I plug both of them in, then there's a feedback loop. What if you put it in the center? Like four. Four here. What if you put it in the center? Okay. Can you say something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh well. I guess I'm not gonna worry yeah. about it. Okay, yeah, good. Good. Mm -mm. Yeah. 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 Oh, Jesus, that's right. It's Thursday. Right, doing basketball. <laughs> so, how's, that, how's that going? It's good. Yeah? I wasn't there last week, but the week before has been fun. There's been a couple of days ago. No. Okay. No. 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 If there's two students who, uh, a couple times initially, about a month ago, they haven't come in the last couple times. Two students show, we make them cover each other. <laughs> just stay away from them. I just. Too physical for this old man. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, we're going to do this kind of just like the class. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Sure. Ooh. Emily, Emily's got some worries about this show, so. Oh, she does? You've got yeah, some worried about this show? Yeah, I mean, you were raised pretty strict Catholic, weren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I was raised Catholic, but. <laughs> no, I was baptized. No, a funny story, I was baptized when I was like. Like older, you know, like not like as a baby, like second grade or something. And my brother was like five years old at the time. I just told the story the other day. And my brother's getting baptized. You know, he's like this priest in this like white gown is standing in front of him. Like, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe blah 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 blah? My brother's standing there. My brother just starts bawling. He's just like crying, and he's like, your brother, or your mother. My brother. Okay. He's like five years old. He's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. <laughs> Like he thought that he was literally at the gates of heaven with this man in this robe asking him all these so questions, he and he thought that he was dying. Funeral, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's scary, isn't it? Put your head underwater and keep it there. Yeah. It's so funny. I love that story. It's amazing. I'm definitely excited for the conversation tonight. Um, so our FCC rules, I don't think you really need to worry about these as long as you don't tell anyone to do anything. Right. Don't talk about money. Um, as far as price, if you have like an event going on, um, in sound specifics, avoid tapping the desks because it brings a hollow noise up into mm. the mics. I think you did that a few times last. So I, avoid tapping the desks. He's a tapper. Um, you want to be closer to the mic than where you are right now. That's pretty good right there. Yep, that's a good distance away. Um, no need to move the mic once we start going. If you guys need to communicate with one another, do not whisper because that will go off on air. And um, if you mess up an FCC rule, keep going as if nothing happened. Make sure your cell phone is completely off. Yeah. Even if it's on silent, sometimes we'll get feedback. Thanks. Yeah. Everybody smile. Totally you have a flash in your phone? I do. So an invitation to the counseling center is okay. Because yeah. we're free, right? Yeah, but you can't say free. You can't say free. Because free is zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Subsidized. Yeah. You can say our services are part of your. Well, no, I got yeah, like dinner. Say that. Like, oh, sure. ice cream sounds good. So I was eating it in the thing because there's no food back here. That's okay, I, I won't build it in. I mean, just if somebody calls. Do you actually have callers? Some days. Yeah. Yeah. We have a hot topic one today. I heard that, yeah. Tuesday. The Wells Hall people will be calling in tonight. Who are the Wells Hall people? The preachers at Wells Hall. Oh! They're calling in? We no. should tell tell somebody to go rant and rave about us over there. They were ranting and raving yesterday, man. And they always on. are. I almost took them on. Are they always there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's something about... Uh, no, I didn't read this. Oh, it's cool. It's there. <sighs> I was too busy reading the whole Penn State. So funny. I, you were the one that was answering the questions, right? On the audio? Yeah. Interview? Uh, it was like, interesting insight. And then I read this article and I was like, ah, oh, she totally cheated. You didn't read it? She didn't read it. You didn't? What? That's the one I did. I thought you cheated. Um, no. Uh, we're missing one. It's been a long time since I've seen it. 
Um, Let's see if she's in the hall. No, give me another. No, Kevin was just like, meet another girl. <laughs> I, I was just like, want, well, I just thought someone. <laughs> WDBM East Lansing. The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. It is the second Tuesday of the month, and that means that Olin Health Center comes in to co-host with me. And instead of Impact Exposure, it is Impact Sex Exposure tonight. And the topic is spirituality and sexuality. And if at any time you want to call in, please write this number down. You will definitely have some questions or some comments later in the hour. The phone number here at the Impact, 517 Four three two three eighty nine three. So, can we go around tonight and introduce um, everyone who is joining us tonight? I'm Kevin with the Health Ed Support Staff. I'm also Jamie from the Health Ed Support Staff at Olin. I'm Dr. Tina Tim, and I am assistant professor in the School of Social Work, and also have a private practice in the community specializing in sex therapy. Hi, I'm Dr. John Lee. I'm a staff psychologist at the MSU Counseling Center. And I'm Dr. D, and I've been here forever, so uh, <laughs> I'm with Health Ed. And then, you know, I was thinking before this show, actually, on the way over here, Emily, that this is probably the most nerve-wracking show I've walked into because I've wanted to do one on sexuality and spirituality for a long time, and, mm. and I'm just, I'm just, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. And this we've is never the first. Done, never done one on sexuality and religion and spirituality, but uh, John here, Dr. John Lee, has been coming to... Uh, my class now for about 10 years at LCC where he's uh, shocked and and uh, <laughs> awed them with his, his, you know, his conversation about how spirituality and sexuality and do they intertwine and how they differ in religion and stuff. So I'm, I'm actually really excited to have both Dr. Tina Tim and, and Dr. John Lee as well as the regulars Kev and Jamie on the show because, and, and we're hoping that uh, Dr. Tim will be a regular on the show in the future here because She's been on in the past, so we're hoping. We got, we got a prize pack for you. <laughs> we're, we're hoping, but we do. We do encourage you to call in uh, at the number four three two three eighty nine three. Because we do have uh, special prize packs tonight, don't we? Certainly. 
I think we do. I think the they have duck shirts. Duck shirts, I think indeed. I saw sneak into those prize packs. And there's not many of these specific duck shirts left, Ooh. so definitely call in. We also got, um, of course, your regular lube and condoms in there as well. So if you call in uh, to ask a question or answer a question that we pose, again, the phone number 432-3893, and you can get these wonderful prize packs, compliments of Olin Health Center. And, and Kev has been out on the street this week, or you were out last week, asking these questions about sexuality and spirituality. And it was interesting because Kevin actually put this agenda together, and, and as he put it together, I took some stuff from uh, Dr. Lee that he's talked about in the past, and you put an agenda together, and you put some questions together that you went out on the street. There were and, quite meaty questions, I guess I would say. <laughs> well, you were a little nervous going out on the well, street. Of course I, I was. He was a little nervous going out on the street. The this questions week. I asked last month were one one answer or one word answers, and this one you had to actually hear them speak and dialogue about it. So it was a little bit more hectic than I, I think I would have. So been. you weren't nervous about the fact that you were going out to talk about religion, spirituality, and sexuality? It was more. More, oh no, I think that was the, the subject was what I was probably most nervous about. But, you know, it's it's the, also catching them at the middle of their day between classes. Is that the first thing you think they're going to be want to vocalize about? But actually, we got a lot of people that shared their uh, thoughts on it, which was kind of great. Well, and you, you asked for a bodyguard again. I did. Jamie Jamie came out with us. And instead, it was not just Quickies with Kevin, but it was Just Sex Jamie's Help. Oh, that's the <laughs> so, new segment. <laughs> the new segment. Next month. Just Sex Jamie. Uh, so did you take these uh, conversations? We recorded them, and we have their answers actually here to listen to during the hour of the oh, show. Yeah, so I'd not only do we hopefully have callers that call in, but we have some people that we actually asked on campus. So. I kind of wish we had videos, even though it was anonymous, just so you could <laughs> see people's faces, because they really thought critically about the answers that they gave. Yeah. It wasn't off the cuff. It was, they had to sit and ponder these questions. So they're pretty good. Well, and I know, and if both of you would just talk a little bit about your history uh, with, you know, I know especially John, and I know, uh, Tina, you both talked about that you have a past uh, history of, of uh, studying and what having to do with spirituality and religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just doing, you know, ladies first kind of thing. <laughs> that was sexist, so I'll just leave that alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it all started not only with your class, but uh, since I'm a psychologist, there's sort of this unspoken rule that, you know, anything's game, you know, that uh, we can talk about all kinds of stuff, right, and get away with it because you're a psychologist, right? <laughs> so, so I was invited by a group of people who were doing premarital uh, workshops, and basically it was in a conservative Christian environment. And uh, the guy who was leading the class said, John, we got to help people loosen up, Right because they've grown up with all these do's and don'ts and all this morality around sexuality. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but it certainly led to a lot of kind of uh, oh, initial problems for people in, in marriages around uh, the sexual expression and all that kind of stuff. So what I did, I did some research on this stuff and started looking at it pretty uh, pretty closely. And what's, what's pretty obvious, though, is that in the Judeo-Christian tradition, the metaphor of spirituality being closely linked to sexuality is right there. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's just, you know, phrase after phrase in Judeo-Christian literature about thinking about one's relationship with a higher being being a sexual relationship. And so I think that was sort of the avenue which led me down to for continued kind of research around this. Uh, and uh, uh, that was the basic message, mm -hmm. that uh, sexuality is, is, is a special part of our human experience that tells us a lot about ourselves and one another and our yearnings for intimacy i mean it's it's instead of just thinking about it as negative you know bad just reproduction that kind of thing you know that that it really was something that was uh, an important part of our experience that needed to be looked at closely and so uh yeah, I, I mean, I like to say it this way. I, I, I've told you that if I write a book about this, the, the title might be, So you want to know something about God? Good news, it's all about sex. <laughs> and then the subtitle would be, You want to know something about sex? Good news, it's all about God. I mean, it, it, and, and I'm not trying to sort of push some sort of agenda with regards to an existence of God there. It, just that the phrase, you know, God is usually associated with the notion of spirituality. But I want to emphasize, it doesn't have to be. I mean, you're deeply spiritual people that don't believe in any sort of, you know, 
transcendent being and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I want to be very careful that we don't equate spirituality with some sort of religious practice or doctrine, I think. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about definitions later, but I just wanted to put that in mm -hmm. there now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, when I, I trained as a sex therapist in the early 90s and in working with um, couples who are struggling with sexuality, this... Uh, they typically weren't transcending anything. They were struggling and they were unhappy and they were um, fighting a lot. And in doing comprehensive sexual histories with, um, with those clients, I often got a lot of the negative um, things that came with sexuality and religion or spirituality. And um, some people that came from very sex-negative homes and oftentimes had messages within their religion about what you couldn't do and what you shouldn't do and, um, and the, the types of sexuality that were strictly forbidden. And so that's kind of where I started. And it, it wasn't until um, later in my career that I started reading um, more um, about Eastern religions and um, you know, obviously some very old texts like the Kama Sutra that really talk about sexual experiences and the ability to take people to um, higher places and deeper levels of intimacy. Um, and then in teaching sex therapy, I um, also use this uh, uh, a variety of different texts related to sexuality and spirituality because I really want the clinicians that I'm training to be, to know that that's an important part and to be able to foster that healthy, that healthy version of spirituality and sexuality. And how do you, when, when you bring up the two concepts together, I mean, I'm looking at Kevin's outline here, I'm going, where did you come up with some of these questions? But where you have the taboo, you say, do people like saying God and sex together? Is, I mean, when you went out on the often, street. Do you often hear those two words in the same How about sentence? the word sex God? Ooh, I mean, there yeah. it is right there. Yeah. Only yeah, from you, Lamb. Well, it's a different realm. It's a different environment. You probably hear it as it's not, it doesn't click necessarily to a god and sex. I think of a a person who says sex a lot and says a, sex a lot and apparently is good at it when you say sex god. That's what I think of, but then well, I also think of. Why that. haven't they been linked together in discussions? I mean, why haven't, why, why don't people talk about God and and spiritual or God and sexuality at the same time, or spirituality and sexuality at the same time. Why does it take a discussion like this, or in the uh, in a sex therapy unit, or in a class? Why why don't we talk about it openly? Well, I think we've had so many conversations um, here on Sex Exposure in the past where we talk about even just sex education and how usually in um, you know those with very religious backgrounds maybe will you know have their kids. Um, abstain from taking sex ed classes and it's not you know the more the abstinence type of education and so sex isn't really a part of you know the religious conversation um, and at least when we've had conversation in the past regarding sex ed um, so I wonder if that has anything to do with it I'll take a step mm -hmm. um, religion at its best is the, the, the Latin religio is to connect so religion at its best is when there's traditions and practices and rituals and narratives that are attempting to help people connect to something, whether it's a god or some sort of transcendence or whatever. I mean, it's a connecting phenomenon. Religion at its worst is about control. Okay? And, and I'll put those two together now. Um, the, the drive to connect. Okay, which, which I think really is at the heart of sexuality. The drive to be one, to drive to be whole, to connect with another being. Okay? Um, that is really powerful. And so religion, when it, at its worst, is attempting to control that. Right? So when religion sort of in its worst form tries to control a very powerful human drive, it turns into that kind of thing where you... You can't talk about God and sex together because somehow it's forbidden, right? I mean, and, and, I, and I mean that at its worst, right, in terms of religion, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of do's and don'ts around sexual behavior because it's such a powerful drive, right? And, it's such, and, and so when you think about people who constructed the religious narratives and the rituals, and, and I want to emphasize that, people constructed them. 
Okay. Now, it may or may not be that they heard words from God and all the rest of it, but that's not my point here. But people constructed them for purposes, and I think one of the purposes was to make sure this powerful drive didn't get out of control, right? That there was some sense of social agreement about what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. Now, I'm not endorsing any of those morals. I do think morals are important, but I'm trying to do the sort of the meta theory behind where all I think that came from. Uh, so that's one way of looking at why it's so difficult to talk about this mm -hmm. stuff, because it's, it's wrapped up mm -hmm. in messages that we hear, especially if you grew up in religious environments, about what God has said, not just human beings, what God has said is right and wrong, right? So it's, 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 a, it's a tough topic. Well, and sometimes going back, trying to understand these topics and how they intersect, we have to go back to what is the definition you know, of, of healthy sexuality or healthy spirituality. And as, as I saw, I kept putting this together, I started going, hmm, this sounds like what Dr. John and Lee talks about in class. <clears throat> but I want to stop for a second and say if anyone has input to our discussion, has a question, we would just like to take a chance at that healthy pack we have today with all the stuff. We may even throw in a prayer card into that, <laughs> that, that pack we, that we have complimentary. The number is 432-3893. Please call us and give us your take on it. But, Dr. Tim, let me just ask you. I mean, how, you and I have talked before about this. What's your definition of healthy sexuality? I mean, we struggle with that sometimes in the application division, like health ed, and trying to talk to the higher-ups and to students about what does it mean, what, what, what's the definition of healthy sexuality when some people think it's just being free of STIs and not having an unwanted pregnancy. But what is healthy sexuality? It's definitely a controversial thing to try to define, and people with different agendas have different definitions of it. Um, for me, it absolutely is not just the absence of bad things. It is the presence of positive things. It is having um, um, knowledge um, about your body and about um, all things sexual. Um, that that's a big part of healthy sexuality. Healthy sexuality. I think um, I I love the origins of the word religious that uh, Dr. Lee talked about because for me healthy sexuality is about connection not only with yourself but um, you know with a partner should you choose to be with a partner so it's it's you know it's I have a very relational definition um, of healthy sexuality and and definitely see it grounded in self-esteem and knowledge about um, the facts and we don't always get the facts. Mm -hmm. Kevin, what do, you, what do you think these days? I mean, you've been working um, with this just for a yeah, I think, short while now, but... I think uh, one thing that always sticks in my mind uh, nowadays, since I, I do come from a, a Catholic background and went to Catholic schooling for nine years, uh, but, like, the whole guilt, fear, and shame, mm. hopefully, hopefully that's all gone when I picture the ultimate healthy sexuality. Like, all that's not there when... Growing up, it was constantly there and surrounding me. And uh, so that's my idea, is without all that. The guilt, the fear, the mm -hmm. shame of whatever makes you feel good. And, of course, totally agree with the knowledge. And I actually really love that origins of religion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. never heard that before. And well, and I've been studying religion, apparently, for so long <laughs> in my Catholic schooling that I never knew the origins <laughs> yeah. was just to connect. Well, think of the words repeat, reconcile. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all, right, it's an attempt and to try to put back together. It's just interesting, very. But yeah. definitely, yeah, without the guilt, the shame, and the fear that was always instilled in my upbringing uh, within my schooling, not necessarily my home life. It wasn't anything like that, but I don't know, the different schooling and home lives, they're not always conducive with each other, I guess. But what about you, Jamie? Well, as you did, I went to Catholic school <laughs> for <laughs> nine years. Had a great education, but um, again, sexuality was that you know under the coat thing you never talked about. Um, we had the family life books where we were only taught you know the only positive aspect of sex is when you're trying to create a being. Right. Um, and I've learned in you know my work here that it's about those connections. It's about having that knowledge to make the decisions for yourself with your partner, with yourself about how you view sexuality, but just more or less being informed. Um, to make those decisions. That's what healthy sexuality means to me. And again, those connections with yourself and those partners, to be comfortable with it. Well, I, as another... Uh, <laughs> this Catholic school, yeah. school graduate, I mean... It was never mentioned. It was never mentioned. And uh, 
when it was, it was in a negative tone. It was more of a rotophobic type of aspect about sexuality. John, do you think that you talked about religion at its worst being controlling? Right. And not to pick on Catholicism. Uh, we have a preponderance of <laughs> Catholics at the uh, impact tonight. Uh, is that is that an issue of controlling when you don't talk about it and the knowledge isn't there and you don't reference it as important? Because don't you think most religions try to produce healthy spiritual people? Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it leads yeah. into my leads into the next question, which is, what's the definition definition of healthy spirituality, right. and do the two intersect at any point? Right. And I know we asked we asked some folks out in the street that, but how do the two definitions intersect, and do yeah. they intersect, yeah. and how can one preclude the other one? Right. So you know, let me jump on that whole notion of um, uh, religion at its worst being controlling. And certainly shame, guilt, and what was the third one, Kevin? Uh, fear. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> Fearful. <laughs> Are great ways to control. Right. Right. Um, but I think another aspect of religion at its worst is uh, silence. Right. So that, that there's things you can't talk about. Right. Because I think healthy spirituality is honesty. Right. Just like, uh, you know, like, let's, what am I experiencing? What, what, how can I best describe what's going on? That, you know, when you think about some of the healthy things of Catholicism, now I'm not a Catholic, but, you know, I'm a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, good one. Confession, <laughs> I think, was healthy, right? I mean, just going somewhere where you know it was completely confidential, no one was going to tell, and you were just honest. But what the hell, what was going on in your life? I will have to tell you, though, I was, I mean, I was honest when I told them I fought about family matters with my siblings and stuff like that. But to be honest, they never really let me know, or maybe it just didn't stick with me, that, you know, I'm going to tell them for a reason, to get this weight off my shoulders. When I kind of took it as a 7th, 8th grader, I'm just going because they're making me go type of thing. And I might as well have something to say because I'm not going to go in there and sit silence right. when the priest tries to drag it out of me. But that's just my own personal upbringing. Like, right. For me, I understand why people would do it. But right. that was just never explained to me, I guess, in depth that you're right. doing this to maybe form a better connection with God. But that wasn't always or emphasized. Yourself. It was usually, yeah. you better get these sins off your shoulders uh, and gotcha. repent. Sir. Okay. Gotcha. Which brings the fear and right. the guilt back right. to me. But right. I completely agree with you. It is I'm sure great for people to get that information out there in an anonymous setting. Because when I describe confidentiality of people coming for counseling, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like we're essentially recreating a situation that Catholicism has been doing for centuries. Right. Hmm. A confidential place to just be honest, right? But I hear your twist on it. Right? That was just my own. Yeah. yeah I, I, right. I, I completely understand. How something good can get twisted in some sort of guilt and shame again, exactly. right? And that's but I think the intent was... Right. Talk about what's going on in your experience. And mm-hmm. if you feel bad about it, it's good to get off your chest, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. I'm not assuming anyone here is a spiritual person. I won't right. assume that. But if I was to go around the room here and ask you each what, give one definition of healthy spirituality, what would you, what would you choose? So I'll throw in the word honest. Okay. With myself. Healthy with spirituality. Yeah. Connection. Closeness. Um, awareness. This is one word? Oh, it doesn't have to be okay. one word. It's one word. You're never one word person, Emily, so. No, I, uh, I, I had this conversation with my mom a lot uh, when she was raising me. Uh, she raised me, I mean, I, I you know, went to church growing up, but my both my parents, I wouldn't say, are actually religious. Um, they just grew up that way, and so they wanted to raise me that way, but they don't necessarily believe in what the church has to say, I guess. But mm. my mom would always talk about spirituality and um you know, when I was younger, I you know was was one of those people that needs like always instant gratification. You know, very impulsive behavior. And my you know my mom would just sit me down and be like, "You just need to find happiness within." And that spirituality to her is to be able to not try to find it in other people mm-hmm. or other things, but to be able to find that in yourself. Um, just that that happiness without trying to gravitate towards you know stimulants or people or other things like that, but. The inner strength and connectedness, and then I think that's that's kind of how she believes in spirituality, and I, I guess I can kind of um, agree with that statement as well. well you know, the, the, the one rant I'll go on tonight is the one point you put here under, and that's why I want to go back to the connection between the two definitions, healthy sexuality and healthy spirituality. There's a one point you put under number two where you say fearless of one's own personal spiritual expression. 
So healthy, healthy spirituality is being fearless that you can spiritually express yourself any way you want. Should that not be the definition of sexuality too? Healthy sexuality? Fearless of one's own sexual expression? Maybe there should have been a question mark there, because I don't know if that's necessarily true, well, but well, I, I agree with But that. in a way, <laughs> somebody who's healthy spiritually should be fearless of their own spiritual expression. They true. should be able to express themselves. I.e., shouldn't you also, as part of healthy sexuality, be able to sexually express yourself the way you see fit? Do they connect or not? Well, you'll, you'll be interested in here. I don't know if we actually chose one of the answers, but when we yeah. went out on the street okay. um, and asked them, I believe my first question was, uh, healthy what is your definition of, or can you define healthy sexuality? And she immediately jumped into um, uh, a topic relating to God right away, mm. and uh, which actually I'll be interested to hear actually. Yeah, let's, let's play that right now. Uh, Manuel, this is track number six for you. Um, and, and the questions that uh, Kevin asked people on the street was, how do you define healthy sexuality and healthy spirituality? And you are tuned to Impact Sex Exposure here on Impact 89 FM. If you ever want to join the conversation, phone number 517-432-3893. Can you define healthy sexuality? Um, I think healthy sexuality is if you're comfortable with what you're doing and you and your partner are both consensual and having a good time and everyone's clean and safe, I think that's a good sex healthy sexuality. Okay, so that would be like wearing a condom, sleeping with clean looking people. <laughs> I think healthy sexuality is being true to who you are and being educated to make the best decisions that you can to be who you are. Um, I would define healthy sexuality as um, presenting your body in a way um, well, personally, to me, that would glorify God. So, um, a healthy sexual relationship would be um, when I when I am married. Based on my own experience, I would just say that healthiest sexual activity is just not to have it at all. Can you define healthy spirituality? I guess for me, I would say that a healthy spirituality would be uh, just to have a personal relationship with whoever your God is, or have a just a one-on-one -on -one connection. Not so much with. Uh, for me, I feel like you can have a healthy spirituality without being associated with the church. I think if someone's going to be spiritual, healthy spirituality is having that um, experience with whomever that they believe in and having it be personal and not something that they necessarily share with everyone. Um, not pushing it on other people and leading by example. Healthy spirituality, um, I would say, is being connected to God and to, um, for me personally, being in the Word and... Um, like going throughout the day reflecting on like how God can use me in the community. I think if you're at peace with yourself and where you're at in relative to yourself in the cosmos and that's what makes you happy, I think that's good. And that was our segment, Quickies with Kevin, here on Impact 89FM, Impact Sexposure. Um, and we are joined tonight. The topic of the night is sexuality and spirituality. If you want to call in to join the conversation, phone lines are open, 517-432-3893. So, so listening to those two, I mean, did you draw any corollaries? Did you, did you, did you pull out anything? I mean, Johnny, going back to what you're talking about, connectedness, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you talked about that in class many times, and mm -hmm. the, there's a drive for people to connect. Right, right. Did we see anything there? Yeah, I, I mean, I was really impressed with the answers there. Way to go, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I didn't say it, but I drew it out of them, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, Tina, we're not needed, needed on this campus. I, I mean, know. We don't, <laughs> well, don't have sure to take our courses. We didn't, didn't talk to Very wise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, well, let, me, let me take this route on it in terms of connecting the two, okay? Because uh, my little comment about the title of the book was essentially trying to equate them, right? If you really want to understand one, look at the other, right? Uh, but they're really essentially two social constructions. Now I'm going to get deep, right? Mm. <laughs> they're two social constructions, right? Uh, created by societies to make sense of some experience, right? And I think when we say the word sexuality, we're trying to make sense of some very powerful experiences about arousal, falling in love, or, or eros, erotic desires, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and it has to do with connection. Okay? But same thing with spirituality. I mean, when we think about what kind of experiences that word is trying to capture, right? It, it isn't necessarily all that stuff that I just mentioned about sexuality, but it does have something to do with meaning and purpose and life and death and mystery. I mean, so, so when, I'm, when I say they really are really connected, what I'm saying is that sexuality informs our spirituality. 
right? That there's, there's something about those experiences of falling in love and arousal and all that kind of stuff that's telling us something about meaning and purpose and life and death. Now, again, I'm not going to fill in the blanks. Okay? I'll, I'll let, you know, let, let other people do that. But, but I think it really is right, very telling that the, 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 the kinds of things that we're trying to describe when we use the word sexuality right, can help us understand meaning and purpose and life and death. Because I think some of the most powerful experiences in our lives, people who, which they call spiritual experiences, right, and I'll just say it right up front, have a sexual dimension to them, right? And vice versa. <laughs> sexual, powerful, sexual experiences can have a spiritual dimension. Not necessarily, but de definitely can. Now, if that doesn't get you to call in, I don't know what <laughs> will get you to call in. But say, say more on that, and, and the rest of you want to jump in here, because I know you've, you've said that before, John, and, 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 and I watch students, as you say, they go, whoa. You just committed blasphemy in class. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean when you say, you know, because I know d d uh, Scott Peck in his chapter on sexuality and spirituality has talked about uh, you can't really be spiritual awake unless you've had a sexual awakening, and you can't really be wow. sexual awakening until you have a spiritual awakening, and they're one and the same, and which is... is, is when he first came out, <laughs> to a lot of criticism. Well, it was interesting when I was reading that article, it was saying that, you know, a woman who, you know, was having a hard time sexually, she became like a born-again Christian, and all of a sudden she became orgasmic for the first time in her life. <laughs> that was interesting. What do, you, what, do you, what do you say about that? I was just going to say that uh, that uh, concept scare the pants off of lots of parents who are trying to raise <laughs> yeah. children <laughs> to be spiritual that you know they couldn't truly be spiritual unless they had had a sexual awakening that would be pretty intimidating for for some parents to try to wrap their brains around um, so I you know I for me part of this conversation hinges on the difference between religion and spirituality mm -hmm. And we can talk about what we think the differences are between the two. And some people use them interchangeably. But for me, spirituality, sorry to, you know, go on about this. Spirituality is about connection, connection with different yourself and with different things, that being the earth, you know, a higher being, whatever it might be. And religion um, can be more about the things that Kevin's talking about, um, more fear-based more shame-based, and and I don't think that's true for all religion, but it, it tends to feel more about control. And the conversations about pleasure definitely get left out of um, those uh, religious types of texts. And the one phrase that I always kind of marvel at that sometimes come out of sex-negative religious homes they 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 tell kids for years that sex is bad, sex is dirty, but the message is sex is dirty, save it for the one you love. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So somehow then you're going to get all those messages for all those years and then get married, sign that marriage certificate and somehow be able to erase every fear-based yeah. message, every mm -hmm. shame-based message, yeah. every time you got told that that wasn't okay. And have this really healthy sexual relationship with your partner. It's it, that's a that's a pretty um, yeah. that's a pretty difficult thing to do. Right. You know, but, but you know, John, you've done training or, or studies in education theology. I mean, wasn't uh, sexuality and, and the beauty of sexuality and the positive part of sexuality part of early theology? Oh yeah, there's some good texts on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> some we can't read on the air, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was reading this, the article that we, were, that we were referencing earlier, and it says one of the basic themes in mythology is the fear on the part of the gods that uh, human beings are becoming like them, and the myth of sexuality is a variant of the same theme. And they were saying that um, the myth tells us at the beginning human beings were unified creatures, um, but as such they're rapidly gaining power and we're about to enroach en upon the gods, and so they split human beings into two halves, male and female. So the idea of male and female coming together in a sexual encounter is them creating that, you know, yeah. I guess, uh, how, what were their words, the, the godlike totality, they said. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I know, I know you've talked about that, that coming together, whether it's coming together with Christ in some religions right. and being one in the same or coming together in, in the spirit of, right. of what, what you said before, orgasm and or uh, uniting with the split yeah. off half of ours. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Judeo-Christian literature is full of imagery of, of Jesus and the church, bridegroom and, and uh, bride. Right. I mean, that's just explicit in very early Judeo-Christian literature. And I think it, uh, you know, over time, because it's such a powerful metaphor and a powerful thing to understand, we try to control it. I mean, that's sort of the downside of religion. I, I, I got a good example, because when uh, Dr. When Tina mentioned the, the concept of parents going, whoa, <laughs> you know, that th their spiritual life really pending upon having some sort of sexual experience. I mean, immediately we think sexual intercourse. We think something uh -huh. physical, right? But let, just, just as simple as, I don't think people really understand the dimensions and the depth of what we mean by spirituality until they've fallen in love. Now, no, just that term, right? I mean, when, do you guys remember falling in love? <laughs> do you remember how com encompassing that was? I mean... I remember the first time, for me, right, it was like I didn't sleep for two days. I just wanted to be with that person, right, in that connection, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that experience, I think, informs us about spirituality, right? Now, here's the downside of that. What, what's the French term for orgasm? Oh, uh, le petit Thank you. mort. The little death. <laughs> Nobody can do it. Nobody can fill that gap in me. I think someone can, especially when I fall in love, right? But it's always, at some point, disappointing, right? And that's where it points to spirituality, right? To ourselves and beyond ourselves, and that no one can really be God for me, right? I mean, I love the idea of, you know, the gods creating male and female, because that's actually the Latin root of sectare. Sex is rooted in the term cut. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sex wow. means to cut. Sectari means to cut. And it was rooted in that mythology, right? That you create male and female or you create sexuality. Because I don't, don't want to get into gender issues here, okay? Because it's really, you create sexuality, which is the, the, the awareness that as human beings, we're not full. We're not complete, right? But we look for that completeness. That's the spiritual dimension of our life. We look for it and we often find it, right? To some extent, not all the way. In a sexual relationship. Right. John, are, are you and Dr. Tim, please join in. Are we talking about intimacy here? Yeah. The concept of intimacy? <laughs> because because the, one, the one question that uh, didn't get a good response and Emily what, decided to what cut What do you out. think when I say spiritual Well, intimacy. you know, I, I've, I've done whole classes on intimacy and students have gotten all around the table about what intimacy is, but aren't you really yeah. talking about intimacy here? And, if, and maybe we should start off with the definition of spiritual intimacy and sexual intimacy and not healthy. But how would you define intimacy? Um, I, I was sitting here wondering if maybe people would have an easier time with the concept of spiritual intimacy because they often think of intimacy in, as a broader term. And uh, like Dr. Lee was saying, that um, if you use the word sex, oftentimes people go straight to think about intercourse, and so thinking about spirituality and intercourse would be more difficult. But, Kevin, that wasn't your experience well, when was you asked that question? I well, I will mention a very humorous answer, which was uh, when I asked, what do you think of when I say spiritual intimacy? I believe she said, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Christian people having sex. <laughs> she envisioned a bunch of Christians having sex. That's what she said, like <laughs> verbatim almost. <laughs> so spiritual intimacy in their mind just means sex, whether it's connected to spiritual I guess or so. sexual. I guess so. And maybe maybe they were strewed by the concept that we were talking about spirituality and sexuality, so they automatically linked the two together for their answer. But it was interesting that this was challenging for them to wrap their head around. And so I gave them the option to pass and or answer, which some of them just kind of failed to give us any sort of response besides, ah, blah, blah, well, uh. <laughs> so it got a little, uh, a little daunting to try to pull an answer out of that. But, um, I don't know. I just, I guess I would ask you guys, do you, do you find that couples, uh, find it awkward to develop this 
spiritual intimacy when they think of it as an extra relationship with themselves, but then God as well, adding that third, that third, I would think that was daunting. I'm not in a relationship where I'm going through any counseling with a couple or as a couple, but I would find that daunting if, if I were to have to address that with my uh, significant other. And I just wonder if you, is that a common thing that they find it like, whoa, I have to have this third entity in my relationship when I wanted you alone? Because that's what I, I look at it as spiritual intimacy, is adding that third, uh, what did I call it, uh, tri-intimacy, tri wow. which, uh, which I, I don't know. I, I, I just wondered if you guys find um, that many people come to you to talk about how almost unfathomable or unreachable that is, I guess, to have. Because I look at that as daunting and very difficult as a solo, single guy myself but <laughs> well like I said I think I have a um, uh, kind of a sample of couples that would not be as likely to be doing a good job at that mm -hmm. because they're coming in having difficulties I think at the most basic level what I try to do early on in my work with couples is to expand their definition of intimacy which mm. has often gone um, gotten very narrow and does mean sex to them we haven't been intimate in a long time, yeah. meaning we haven't had intercourse in a long time. Right. And, but you will hear them say other things like, and it's, but you know, we're best friends, and we, there's all kinds of things that we have in common, and, and you'll hear about all those types of things, and then, so I, time. sometimes I give them this handout, and it's, I forget, it's like ten or twelve different types of mm -hmm. intimacy, right. mm. and physical intimacy is one type of intimacy, mm -hmm. and religious intimacy is another one. That if people connect in terms of, in terms of um, having that in common, it can be very powerful. But um, types of intimacy include other types of things, like you know, having, um, having commonalities and other points of connection with. Um, uh, hobbies, for instance, or um, I forget what the other ones are on the list. But even there's one that's called crisis intimacy. Right. Some couples are closest when they're dealing with a really difficult thing in their relationship, and that really bonds them together. And there's research to support that in the face of um, a crisis. Some couples will come out on the other side and said, we are stronger because of it. So I, I guess that's what I just wanted to mention is that I try to get people to think about it more intimacy more broadly than just yeah. sex. But once again, it's about connections. Mm -hmm. and whether it's the 12 different types of intimacies, work intimacy, crisis, mm -hmm. spiritual, whatever, it's all about connections. And, and if you read the literature out there, and having studied extensively about sexuality and looked into theology, because you know I'm, I'm an anthroposophist <laughs> at heart, <laughs> I've, looked at, I've seen these words that crisscross the spectrum. Intimacy. Passion's another word. Yeah. Passion is... is, is all over theology, all over sexuality, and people have different definition when it comes to passion, when they talk about theology, when passion, when they talk about sexuality. And most people don't really understand that passion at its root definition is, is uh, conflict and emotions trying to find a connection. That's really what it is. That's what, when you talk about the passion plays, whether it's religion or passion, it's about two people coming together in conflict with emotions trying to find a connection. Mm -hmm. But. I see we have a caller. Well, we're, we're almost there, but um, I do want to, to air the conversation that we had with people on the street this week regarding this question that we're discussing. Uh, do you think there is a relationship between sexuality and spirituality? Yeah. And again, for those that may be tuning in, this is Impact NFM. It is the second Tuesday of the month, so we have Olin in here and, uh, for Impact Sex Exposure. Uh, and tonight we're talking about uh, sexuality and spirituality. And here's the question we posed to um, those here at MSU. There is a relationship between sexuality and spirituality? Absolutely. I think sexuality is a very spiritual thing. Um, and for me personally, being a Christian, um, like I would um, only be, like, I would have, like, sexual relations with someone who I'm married to and, like, who... Um, has the same morality as me and same faith as me. I would definitely say so. Uh, basically, if you, for me, I'm a Christian, so I believe that uh, people should wait until they are married to have uh, sex or anything along those lines. And so, based on that, I feel that there's a 
definitely a connection between the two. I've always thought of it as pretty separate. Um, I guess if you're spiritual, you would see it as the same thing or see more of a unison, but I see it as a separate thing. I think that there would be because I know that in talking with my friends, um, when they're in, in a sexual relationship, when they start screaming, oh God, oh God, what else would make them scream, oh God, oh God, if they weren't semi-spiritual or if the act wasn't semi-spiritual? I'm sorry, I love that last one. (laughs) (laughs) And that was uh, Quickies with Kevin here at Impact 89 FM. If you want to join the conversation, the phone line, 517-432-3893. There were some good answers, but you could see how some people had their hard time wrapping around the words to get it out. You could immediately hear, Emily, how how those first two respondents (laughs) were equating spirituality with their Christian morality. Mm -hmm. Right. So that their Christian morality definitely speaks to sexuality. Mm-hmm. when it's appropriate, when it's not, all that kind of stuff, right? That's clearly not how I'm defining spirituality, mm-hmm. right? That, again, Dr. Tim, you know, how do you make this distinction between religion and, and uh, spirituality? Uh, it, it, they really are two different things for me. Well, let me put it this way, right? Spirituality can, but it does not have to include beliefs and doctrines and morality and religious practices. It has to do with one sense of meaning, one sense of well-being, one sense of purpose, one sense of direction, right? Now, you, again, religion is often and ready to tell you what the meaning of life is. <laughs> Religious people are often and ready and willing, to, right, to sort of give you all those answers. But that's their answers, right? I think spirituality has to do with un- one's individual quest for that sense of meaning and purpose and direction. And certainly you can learn from religious traditions, but I think ultimately it's one's personal decision around what's spiritual, right? Because, it, I, I, and again, I'm not trying to just make it sort of idiosyncratic, but I don't think we get, we've got to be very careful that we don't equate religion with spirituality in this discussion. Yeah, and we also pose that question to people on the street as well. Um, uh, Kevin asked, a sexual experience can be potentially religious to some people, but can a religious experience be sexual? So that, that idea of, of spirituality and, and sexuality combining the two. So, Emmanuel, this is track number four him, here on Impact 89 FM. Uh, a sexual experience can be potentially religious to some people, but can a religious experience be sexual? I have yet to experience this, but I, I'm not to say that it can't be. Well, as a Christian, I believe that God created sex for us and as like a great thing. It's just meant to be within marriage. I think you can use sex to glorify God if you're in like a healthy relationship. Uh, I wouldn't say so. I don't think that. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. Can you not at all? Um, I don't think so. I think you can be religious without it being sexual. <laughs> and that was quickies with Kevin here in Impact Day and Offend. If you want to join the conversation, phone line five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Going back to what you said, Dr. Tim, do you think that we would have got a different answer if we would ask, can a spiritual experience be a sexual experience mm. or a sexual mm. experience be a spiritual? Because it seemed like yeah. whenever religion comes into it, people have to self-identify first. Well, I'm a Christian, and this is what how I believe, or I'm a Catholic, this is what I believe. But what do you, what do you guys think about? Can a spiritual experience be a sexual experience? And can a sexual experience be a, be a spiritual experience. Can it be one and the same if it's all about connecting on some level? I just, I just, the idea of a religious experience being sexual. Or spiritual. Spiritual, okay. So I guess, yeah, when, when the word spiritual comes involved, it makes a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think there is definitely a difference between the two. And we don't have time, John, for you to go into the whole body of Christ and <laughs> stuff we talk about, but when you talk about some of the rites and rituals of some of the religions out there, they're very similar to conversation about how we engage in sexual practices and sexual behaviors. Right. I mean, it's just, it's very, I'll just say it, it's very sexual, right? The metaphor of our relationship um, with something outside of ourselves, right? The making connection. Sexuality is a wonderful metaphor to make sense of that, right? Yeah. Well, when we go, kind of, I kind of keep going back to the drawn to when we're talking about um, to love God passionately. I guess um, 
I just found that a very interesting, we got some interesting responses when I asked the statement. In order to love God passionately, one has to be a passionate sexual person. So in, in switching the word from spiritual, or from religion to spiritual, I think we would have got some different answers. But let's see what we get from these answers right here. Yeah, so, so again, the question is, in order to love God passionately, one has to be a passionate sexual person. What do you think of the statement, in order to love God passionately, one has to be a passionate sexual person? Um, I wouldn't say that, because um, they have quite a few people out there. Uh, most priests usually don't aren't in any type of sexual relationship, so I don't think that you have to necessarily have a passionate sexual life to have a passionate spiritual life. I disagree with that statement. I think that you can be a you can be in love with God passionately. Like, I'm not married, I'm not sexually active right now, and I'm still in an intimate relationship with Jesus, and he still affects my life. I disagree. I think people can love God and be chaste. I disagree. I think you can love God and then, I don't know, be passionate in different ways. <laughs> I think that they're definitely intertwined, but I don't think that one influences the other. I think that if you're a passionate person, you're going to be passionate about your sexual relationship and also passionate about God, but not necessarily hand-in-hand. You're tuned to Impact Sex Exposure here on Impact 89FM. To join the conversation, you can call 517-432-3893. Well, I, I would ask our guests to respond to that. I mean, we didn't get one person who, who even remotely agreed with, with that concept. And that, that comes from some of Scott Peck's writing, too. But, and there's a part of me that says, if you can't see that connection, if you can't see what he's actually talking about, of being a sexually passionate person, not necessarily that you're interacting with somebody, but sexually passionate uh, so, what did you say? I think it um, it does kind of hinge on people's narrow definition of what it means to be sexual, mm -hmm. and that it does get equated with partnered sex, mm -hmm. and um, so that that complicates it. Uh, it's the first thing that people that people seem to equate it with. And so they say no because they don't want to have partnered and the one person, um, you know, I think particularly in Catholicism, they do, uh, priests do, um, are Abstain. supposed to um, stay celibate and certainly Catholic nuns um, are married to God but expected to not engage in sexual activity. So I think that there's a lot of things that kind of in terms of practice, do divide the two. That was a man-made construct that was put in. Uh, celibacy was never a part of it before. And mm -hmm. so that was something that, that man introduced into religion. But most people probably don't know that. Right. Most mm -hmm. people see it as probably assume that it's it's a mandate from God. Right. It's in it's in the Bible, right? No. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it was just it was just the definitive way they said no. It was just like no. It was, like, it was almost scary in the sense that they, you know there can't be a connection because that would unravel the the fabric of of Earth and humanity if we actually said there was because there can't be a connection. There's always been priests are celibate and nuns mm -hmm. are celibate and you can't be a sexual person if you're a religious person. And I'll say religion is spiritual and that's not true. But well, we've got a we've got a caller here. You are tuned to Impact Sex Exposure. Hello. Hi. Hello, can you hear us? Yes. Okay, excellent. So do you have any comments or questions for us? Uh, hello. Hi. Um, I'm a, uh, not a religious person, but I thought that the, yeah, the question that was posed, I don't know his name, but about uh, spirituality, um, nobody is really touching on how to find it. And I, I sort of think that spirituality is, Maybe think things in an unmediated way, like you see life more, I don't know, it's like more, it's simple and it's clear and it's just sort of, I don't know, more of a, like a small moment or something, I'm connecting with something in life. And I think that sex is definitely a big part of, attached to so many things that sort of can, I don't know, be a, be a I don't know, a big it just makes everything more, maybe more clear for a lot of people. It sort of simplifies life because the test is so much. So I think that there's definitely 
related in that sense. Yeah, caller, I think I, 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 I like the way you were trying to wrestle with uh, spirituality and, and that, um, that it has to do with some simplicity, some clarity, right? And that uh, I also heard you saying that, you know, s some of the best sexual relationships have that clarity as well. And that, that's back to my idea of, of a, a, a healthy sexual relationship. There's being consensual, right, mutual, and some clarity about, you know, I, I know who you are. I mean, I just love that phrase, to be known as I am known, right? And uh, to know as I am known. That, that the, the idea of, of intimacy again, right? That, yeah. That a partner knows me, right? And, and, that, and that's deep. That's not just, you know, about me. Uh, they know my wounds. They know my, uh, my joys, right? They got a sense for who I am, that I feel safe in their presence because I don't feel uh, uh, like I have to hide. I, um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that sex can break down a lot of the barriers because, I mean, if you look biologically, um, sex is the point is just, I mean, to reproduce, but, I mean, we've obviously gone much further with that, and you can sort of just know a person better because, I mean, that's maybe the most intimate relationship you'll have is one that's a sexual relationship with complete trust in your partner. Right. That's what the sex can do to spirituality. I mean, physical intimacy, sexual intercourse, is a beautiful metaphor for what we want spiritually. So yeah. when you think when people are making love, so the physical act of sexual intercourse, right? You're naked. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not hiding. And there's kind of a mutual giving and taking, right? And, um, yeah. You were saying earlier, I think, about how spirituality is sort of maybe like something about how, what you want to be or maybe your, your goals or sort of just like what your path is in life maybe. and Your sense of meaning, what it's all about, yeah. And, yeah, and if that... And that's definitely sex can, can give that to you if you, the mm -hmm. more you uh, commit to it and the more you mm -hmm. share and give of yourself. Well, we, we appreciate you calling in. And if you haven't heard at the beginning, you are eligible to receive a complimentary prize pack. <laughs> and please give your name to uh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel over in the other room. So if you hold on, uh, she can get your name and information. So thanks you much, thank you so much thank for calling. Thank you. Yep. Bye. And if you want to call in, the phone number 517-432-3893. All right. Dr. Lee, I know back in the days when you used to come in and shock and out of class, you had some poems from Scripture that you would read. Oh, yes. You know, that, I was that, that to hear about talked this. about the, yeah, I don't know, say the word, erotic nature of oh, some yeah. of, of theology's writings in the past and, and how they intertwine. Because I do want people to know that some of the constructs that are in religion today were put there by man. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, that a lot of the scripture was very erotic and it had some 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 very uh, we would say sexual tones to it. Now, yeah. Yeah. do you want to read one for us that will not get you fired? <laughs> <laughs> so, those of you who are familiar with Judeo, -tradi Judeo Christian tradition, I emphasize Judeo Christian because this is you know Christians really taking Jewish scriptures as part of their own. Um, so. This is the Song of Solomon, and it's erotic literature, but it's part of the Christian Bible, right? And I've been around Christians enough that they refer to their Bible as the Word of God, right? So I just want to, you know, have the Christians in our audience take this seriously, that I don't think this is a metaphor of, of Jesus' love for the church. I think this is explicit erotic literature that's telling us something about our sexuality and our spirituality. It's telling us something about who we are, right? So you have a woman saying to a man, my lover, you are radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. Your head is the purest gold. Your hair is wavy and black as raven. Your eyes are like doves by the water streams, washing milk mounted like jewels. Your cheeks are like beds of spice yielding perfume. Your lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. Your arms are rods of gold set with topaz. Your body is polished ivory, decorated with sapphires. Your legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. A man to a woman, how beautiful your sandaled feet. 
old prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel's a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat enriched by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck like an ivory tower. Your head crowns like the Mount Carmel. Your hair is like a royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. Your stature is like that of a palm, and your breasts like clusters of fruit. And I say, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of the fruit. That's erotic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Said with such gusto. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. Yes. <laughs> but again, again, you could interpret it in a variety of ways, yeah. but my interpretation is that there's something being said about erotic, right? Erotic. That it's not bad. Mm-hmm. That it's something about our being of wanting to make a connection with another human being. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it had gender in there, okay? So if you could erase that gender, I think it's still applicable, right? And, and I think there's also, and I know it sounds kind of a little funny, I think we desire to connect with ourselves in the same way, right? That it's not just about partnered. It's about me really accepting and loving myself in sort of a passionate way as well, appreciating myself, right? And so I know you can get all kinds of discussions on this, but, you know, I I don't want to just stay heterosexist on this or gendered, but I really do think that it's, it's about human experience looking for connection. Well, I'd like to open that up to another um, question that we posed to um, people here at MSU. And and that question was, uh, sex is the closest that many people will ever come to a spiritual experience. We've been talking about spirituality and sexuality here on Impacting NFM tonight. And so this question is, sex is the closest that many people will ever come to a spiritual experience. How do you feel about the statement, sex is the closest that many people will ever come to a spiritual experience? I disagree, but I could definitely see, I could see where that would make sense for some people, definitely. I honestly don't believe that. I mean, I think that if done in according to certain principles that your religion has, I think that at that point, maybe, but other than that, just outside of that, I don't think so. I would personally disagree with that statement. I think that a spiritual experience or a spiritual lifestyle should be based on your relationship with God. And I think that sex is definitely a big part of that. It's like a big part of um, who you, like the person on earth who you pick to spend your life with. And like part of that like is sex and being in a healthy relationship with sex. But um, I don't think that the closest spiritual ex- experience should be just sex. I would have to agree with it because I think that um, during orgasm you kind of lose yourself and I think that in a religious experience to me if you are seeing God or an angel or something to that effect you're also losing yourself to something or somebody and so I think that yes it can be. I feel like that's pretty sad. Um, (laughs) Why so? I mean sex can be intimate but I feel like you can find religion in acts of kindness or I don't know, morals or <laughs> marriage. <laughs> well, that was Quickies with Kevin here at Impact 89FM. <laughs> I, know, I know we're coming to a close here, but I, I hope that one thing that people garner from tonight's discussion is the, the connections that people try to find, whether it's in their sexuality or in their spirituality. I mean, we could talk for another three hours here because I really, really wanted to drop the bombshell one on, on both Dr. Tim and Dr. Lee, which is, I'll say real quickly here, is God created us in his own image, and since we are sexual creatures, and may only stand to reason that God is also a sexual being. <laughs> but with that, I think we will uh, come to a close, Emily. Yes, well, Dr. D, Dr. Tim, Dr. Lee, Jamie, and Kevin, thank you so much for joining us tonight for Impact Sexposure. Uh, if you tune in the second Tuesday of next month, are you guys on next month? For, wait. Yeah, we, we, could, we could come on if you want. Well, we'll <laughs> see. Well, at least uh, <laughs> usually the second uh, Tuesday in the month you can tune in for Impact Sex Exposure. So thank you so much for listening tonight. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Impact Exposure.